Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So goes the old saying we've all heard many times over. But is it true? Perhaps we can appreciate the thought behind the slogan because it encourages us to be thick-skinned, to persevere. But is it true? Are words powerless to hurt you? As we come to the book of Proverbs yet again this week, church family, we discover that words are not harmless, but powerful for good and for evil. We're continuing a study in Proverbs this afternoon. Last fall, we studied the first nine chapters where we saw this father instructing his son in the two ways he can choose to live. The son and you and I, by extension, can choose either the way of wisdom or the way of folly or foolishness. And The path of wisdom, we've said this many times over, will end in life, while the path of folly will end in death. And over those first nine chapters, the father went to great pains to persuade his son to please choose wisdom. Wisdom, as we've tried to define it, is the right view of God and his world in living life in light of it. God has a design for how this world works. Wisdom is living in light of that design. Remember, our sin has broken this world. Our sin has corrupted this world. And so in our rebellion against this designer, this creator, his design has been distorted. So sometimes, we've said this before, but we'll keep saying it, sometimes being wise actually does not end in blessing, but in failure. Our world is broken. That's why we need a savior to enter our brokenness and save us through his death and resurrection. So Proverbs, this can be a mistake we can make. Proverbs doesn't point us to simple moral living, but to a Savior who has lived that perfect moral life in our place and died in our place. Proverbs points us ultimately to Jesus and encourages us to live according to God's design by the power of Christ and the new life we have in him. So, those first nine chapters then persuade us to follow the path of wisdom. And the remainder of the book, by and large then, shows us in brief sayings called Proverbs how that wisdom will play itself out in our daily lives. So what we're doing, and we have been doing for three weeks now, is taking the the main themes of Proverbs 10 through 31 and thinking about how to live wisely in different areas of our lives. So first week we covered money back on January 3rd. Uh, Then we covered work last week. And today we come to the topic of our speech, our words. And Proverbs, it turns out, has much to say about what we say. Now we're not going to be able to cover near everything uh, today. But two things real quick right off the bat before we dig into our outline. Two things that Proverbs shows us right away is that our words are one, revealing, and two, powerful. First, they reveal our hearts. So if you want to see whether you're growing in wisdom, consider how you speak. 
Your words will reveal what's going on in your heart. This is something we learned from the great sage, right? The great teacher of wisdom, Jesus himself in Luke 6, when he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words, Proverbs will tell you, your words are like the the dye that the dentist applies to your teeth to reveal cavities. Your words reveal your heart. So if you're growing in wisdom, your words are going to show it. And second, our words are powerful. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles open or if you have your your phone, turn with me to Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. One of the key verses about the power of our words in Proverbs. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Friends, your words are incredibly important. They pack a punch you can only begin to imagine. So since our words are revealing and since our words are powerful to either bless or harm, how in the world can we be wise with this incredible power we have? So Proverbs says a lot about this topic, but let me just run us through five ways wise people speak. So keep your Bibles at the ready. We'll be flipping to different passages as we have been doing with these topical sermons of late. First, if you would be wise, Christian, let your words be truthful. Let your words be truthful. Turn with me to Proverbs 12, 19. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Wise speech is truthful speech. Uh, Back in chapter 6, the Lord lists things that he hates, one of which is a lying tongue. Because God always speaks the truth. And so a wise person who, who begins with a right view of God will speak as God does. Truth endures forever, Proverbs says. Lies will be condemned So what are some ways we can struggle to be truthful in our speech? So we all kind of have the regular categories of truth and lies, white lies, black lies. But how can we we struggle in certain ways to be truthful in our speech? Proverbs gives us several opportunities to think about this. One is the temptation to bear false witness, particularly in legal proceedings. So turn with me to Proverbs 14.5. This is something Proverbs says uh, more than once. Proverbs 14.5. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Now, perhaps you won't ever be on the stand as a legal witness in a court of law. I know some of you have, but not all of us will. But, but think about this idea of witnessing to the truth in other ways in your life. Think, consider other ways you may be tempted to lie like you might in a court of law, to get ahead, to to win the case, to beat the system. Maybe that's cheating just a little bit on your taxes, or, or maybe that's just putting false information in your online profile. Friends, be wise. Lying never ends well for you. 
When the stakes are high and the chips are down, it can seem like lying is the wisest way to escape the situation, the safest way out of a problem. But wisdom pierces through that fog and reminds us that to be wise, we must be truthful. Another way, and this is a little bit, I think, less intuitive. Another way Proverbs repeatedly tells us we can be tempted to speak dishonestly is flattery. Flattery is excessive praise of someone else, not to build them up, but to get what you want from them. It's something you say, but you don't really mean. It's puffing someone up repeatedly like a balloon so that they'll eventually pop and be destroyed, much to your pleasure. So turn with me all the way back to chapter 29 and verse 5. Proverbs 29 and verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Flattery is propping up someone with fake praise and no thought to their welfare but to your own. A flatterer is always out for himself, and he's spreading a net for the one that he praises because he's just going to use them to get ahead for himself. Wise speech is truthful speech. It does not lie. It does not bear false witness. It does not flatter. It speaks the truth. Second, if you would be wise, Christian, let your words be peaceable. Let your words be peaceable. Turn with me to Proverbs 15.1. You might have heard this one before. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So, so picture it. We've all been there. Someone's coming at you, and they're furious with you. You know this might be a really hard conversation. And you need to respond in what can just become a more and more tense situation. How do you answer? Do you answer in kind? Keeping with the anger of the moment? Or do you respond in a way to promote peace, not further fury? Now, To be clear, responding softly in a tense situation doesn't mean you're dismissing the problems at hand. It's definitely not trying to smooth everything over so things are just happy again. It means you're going to seek the peace that's needed. You're going to seek resolution instead of further backbiting and name-calling. You're seeking healthy conversation, not a yelling match. See, gentleness, friends, is not weakness. Sometimes, sometimes it actually takes more strength, more self-control to be gentle than to be angry, right? But gentleness is something we see in our Savior, the one who is gentle and lowly and something we seek to grow in as his people. Now, again, remember, it's not going to always work this way. Perhaps it didn't work for you that, this way this week. Speaking softly doesn't always lead to peaceful resolution. As we said before, Proverbs tells us things that are always true. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. But many times, Proverbs tells us things that are usually true. But it doesn't always pan out this way. 
even though it doesn't always pan out this way, it usually does. In God's good design in a broken world, peace is achieved more often through a soft response than a harsh one. The wise aim for peace in their speech. Again, this this doesn't mean you don't speak the truth, even with great firmness and resolve, but it does mean you speak not in the drama of the moment, but with calmness. And this gets right to the heart of one of the chief ways Proverbs says we can sin with our speech. Gossip. The fool who spreads gossip in Proverbs may be referred to in your Bibles as the whisperer. The gossiping fool spreads rumors and complaints that shouldn't be spread. That's why he's whispering. And he tears relationships apart. He promotes not peace. His speech is not peaceable, but full of strife. So flip with me to chapter 16, verse 28. It's a really sad proverb, but one we've all probably seen at some point in our lives. Chapter 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Gossip wreaks havoc with relationships. It's dangerous. Spreading rumors is the height of foolish talk. Kent Hughes uh, has been a pastor and author for for ages. He has a memorable way of showing us the definitions of gossip and flattery, two of the evil ways we've already talked about speaking in Proverbs. He says this, I've never forgotten this, even though I've you know, forgotten how it's worded sometimes, but here it is. Gossip involves saying behind a person's back what you would never say to his face. Flattery means saying to a person's face what you would never say behind his back. Get that? Gossip's something you're going to say behind somebody's back, but you never say it to them. Flattery is the exact opposite. You're never going to say that about them because you don't believe it's true. It's exaggerated, but oh, when they're there, that's how you're going to talk. And both of those, dear church, flattery and gossip, both will destroy relationships, destroy churches, and they have. Gossip, in particular, can erode the fabric of a church's unity. Satan loves a gossipy church. A church so taken up with infighting that has no strength left to reach outside to those who need to hear about Jesus. And turn with me to Proverbs 26 and verse 20. Proverbs 26, 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there's no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Loudon Valley Baptist Church member, Christian, if you're a member of this church particularly, if gossip is tempting to you, confide in another Christian and ask them to pray for you and hold you accountable. Together, let's seek to clear away all the kindling so the fire of gossip is never ignited in this church. If you would be wise, let your speech be peaceable. A fool loves to stir up strife with his words. A wise person fights that temptation. 
Because gossip is really tempting. It's seductive. That's why we use adjectives like tasty gossip, juicy gossip, because it's yummy. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisperer are delicious morsels. I could go for some delicious morsels about right now, right? But delicious as gossip may be, it's toxic while one one digested. It's toxic to the health of a Christian and a church. So I wonder, Christian, are your words peaceable? Some of you, I know, love a good argument. uh, You love a good back and forth. I I don't love it as much because I'm just really bad at it, but I like people, I like watching people do it that are really good at it, right? And and, and the skill of argumentation can be used for great good when, when aimed appropriately. But be careful, Christian. Skills of argument can rapidly, in sin, in your in your sin nature, turn into pugnaciousness. A love for a good fight. And friends, that's for fools. Tremper Longman says, fools are those who are primed for an argument, whose words trigger punches. So I wonder, do your words start fights or seek to promote peace, even as you speak truth? If you would be wise, your words will be peaceable. Third, if you would be wise, let your words be appropriate appropriate. And and what I mean by appropriate is not like clean humor or like kind of PG, lack of explicit language. That's not what I mean. I mean words that are well-fitting and suitable to the setting. So one biblical commentator writes about this. He says, the wisdom formula in Proverbs is to speak the right word to the right person at the right time. Sounds simple. It takes a lot to learn how to do that. It takes wisdom to know what to say and when to say it, doesn't it? You need to learn how to read others and read the situation you're in. That takes loads of wisdom. It really, it takes getting your your words and your mind off yourself in the middle of a conversation and thinking, what's going on in this conversation and what's going to be best and most helpful for the other person I'm talking to? Proverbs talks about words that are suitable See, a wise person, according to Proverbs, is tactful. He's concerned with speaking what's helpful in the moment. So turn with me to Proverbs 10.32. Proverbs 10.32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Flip over to chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I was listening to an interview between two well-known pastors a couple weeks ago, and they were discussing what to say and not to say when you're in the hospital comforting someone who has just experienced a traumatic event in their life, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a tragic diagnosis. 
And they were talking about God's sovereignty and how great and important it is to know that God is in control. And Romans 8.28, all the way, he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But, even though that's a great truth, they spoke about how in the moment, in that hospital room, as you're embracing someone sobbing on your shoulder, that's probably not the wisest thing to say. It's true, but is it appropriate? The person doesn't need a theology lesson at that time. Instead, sometimes the best thing to say is simply, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry this just happened. It takes wisdom to read the situation and speak the suitable words. And let's face it, some of y'all do that a lot better than others of y'all right? But friends, the great thing about wisdom is you can grow in it. (laughs) That's what I love about wisdom. You're not born with it. You grow in it. You can get better at saying the right words at the right time. That's good news, Christian. So pray for wisdom. Friends, this is so important as we speak into one another's lives as a church. So you've heard this verse before, but flip with me to chapter 12, verse 25. This is so important in church conversation in 2021. Chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We all know what it's like to be weighed down by anxiety, don't we? When you see a brother or sister church in that condition, you know from Proverbs one way to help, and that's a good, apt word. A word needed in the moment. An encouragement. A passage of Scripture to buoy that person up in hope. I don't know. You might think of Ephesians 4.29. This is what we'll study in our inductive Bible study on Wednesday night, Lord willing. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. What? As fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. If you would be wise, let your words be appropriate, tactful. Fourth, and this is my personal favorite. If you would be wise... Let your words be unspoken. Let your words be unspoken. That is, if you would be wise, let your words sometimes be no words at all. This is a theme all throughout Proverbs. So, for example, chapter 10 and verse 19. This is another one that you might have heard uh, during your life. Chapter 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It's wise, church, to learn to bite your tongue, sometimes literally, to inflict pain on yourself rather than others. Again, this doesn't, I always feel like I want to qualify this. It doesn't mean avoiding speaking altogether, it means refraining from speaking foolish, dumb words. And Proverbs tells you that if you speak too much, that's going to happen. Foolish words will fo- probably follow verbose conversation. 
Thomas Watson was a Puritan back in the 17th century. He kind of put it, I don't know if he meant this in a comical way, but I take it in that light. This is what he wrote. God has given us two ears, but one tongue to show that we should be swift to hear, but slow to speak. And then he says, God has set a double fence before the tongue, the teeth and the lips, to teach us to be wary that we offend not with our tongue. He means the tongue can work so much good. But in our sin, it can work so much devastation as well that it's good that we have a teeth, set of teeth, and lips to keep it in check. The foolish person, the foolish person, on the other hand, doesn't care what he says at all. Look at chapter 18 and verse 2. This is the slogan of social media in 2021, by the way. Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I feel like we could just make that the slogan of Facebook. A fool just vents with no guard on his mouth. Proverbs 29.11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. A wise man quietly holds it back. Some of you might have heard the famous old quip that's sometimes attributed to Lincoln, other times to Mark Twain, but its actual origin is uncertain. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt, right? Church, many times, many times we need to say something and we don't. This is especially true in our evangelism. We just spent time praying about that. We have the words of eternal life. And unbelievably, our lips are often sealed with that news to those who need it. I can think of no other reason that happens except for our own selfishness and sin. However, wisdom here would remind us also about the many times we do say something in anger or irritation or envy or pride that would have been very much best left unspoken at all. Turn with me to Proverbs 17.27. I feel like I should, like, you know, label, put, a, put this in a label maker and put it above, like, my keyboard on my computer. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Christian, in this day of outrage in our culture, where everybody has an opinion about everything, and that opinion is always outraged, one of the ways we as believers in Jesus Christ can stand out is to listen. Seriously listen before we speak. Nobody's doing that. But it's a mark of wisdom. Friends, it's wiser to have an awkward pause in a conversation than to just fill it in with something you're going to regret later. All right, fifth and finally... This is the theme of our service. If you would be wise, let your words be life-giving. 
This is something we see throughout Proverbs, so turn with me to chapter 10, verse 19, or verse 11, sorry, chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Over and over again, we see wise speech results in blessing and life, while foolish speech ruins and destroys. And it makes sense, right? God's design brings blessing. Foolishness and a rejection of God's design brings ruin, both to ourselves and others. Proverbs 11.9 says that with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. In Proverbs 14.3, by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. You see that? Foolish talk both damages others and yourself. Unless you enjoy a rod on your back. Christian, your mouth has the potential to destroy and ruin, but also the potential to invigorate and give life. What power? What, what responsibility? So, Christian, don't downplay or excuse things you say as, you know, just not really what you meant, or, or just no big deal, or harmless, or, or overblown. Just face it. Your words are powerful. So instead of downplaying them, consider ahead of time what sort of power you are exerting with them. Are your words life-giving? God's are. You know, part of being made in the image of God as men, women, and children is that we get to speak and we get to use words to communicate and learn and worship and be in relationship with one another and with God himself. That's part of God's image in us. And God's words, well, God's words bring life. They always have. Way back in Genesis 1, how did the creation come into existence? God spoke. Boom, life. And now in this coming of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, we saw the very word of God. That means Jesus is the fullest revelation of God's divine nature coming to earth incarnate in flesh. And through Christ, God again is speaking life into darkness, just like in Genesis 1. And now it's the darkness of our own hearts. God, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaks new life into dead sinners by his Spirit. When we were dead in sin, if you are a Christian this morning, when you, or this afternoon, when you were dead in your sin, God sent his son to bear your judgment in your place, rise again to give you victory over sin and death and hell. And now having accomplished that salvation in real time 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit still speaks today, speaks into your sin-sick, sin-dead hearts, live. And when he says that, it happens. Live. I have given my son to die in your place. Now repent, believe, and live. Friend, if you've never trusted in Jesus' death in your place, you're still in your sin. And you'll be judged. But today you hear his invitation to live. Repent of your sin. Place your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you and be saved today. 
and Christian, God's words from Genesis 1 all the way to Loudoun Valley Baptist Church in 2021 are life-giving. If you are forgiven for your sin by the blood of Christ, you have responded to God's call and you have found this new life. And here's what's amazing. In Christ now, as God's sons and daughters, you and I, Christian, are being made more into the image of our Savior. And that means that as we are made more like Jesus, our words are being more and more made life-giving. Our words are being sanctified. They're made more and more life-giving, just like his words. Life-giving to our brothers and sisters here in this local church as we speak encouragement and challenge into one another's lives. Life-giving to our families as we seek to serve and lead them, not out of frustration and anger, but humility and gentleness like Jesus. And life-giving to those around us who are lost in sin and desperately in need of a Savior. Friends, one of the greatest privileges we have received in Jesus is the ability to use our words to speak his gospel. The good news of salvation. Words that bring news of eternal life. When God speaks, as we'll sing shortly, new life the dead receive. And we now, too, get to proclaim that same life-giving message. The church, may we grow in wisdom in the way we talk. May our words not tear down, but build up. Not destroy, but bring life. Your words, Christian, are powerful. So be wise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us the gift of using our words now as those made in your image to spread news of life. Thank you for redeeming us when we used our words to spite you and rebel against you. Thank you for giving us new life and allowing us now to speak to others in Christ-like wisdom. Lord, already today, many of us have used our words unwisely. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would make us wise. And that you would grow in us a desire for just even more words to speak your praises. That you would give us even a thousand tongues to sing of your love. Amen.